the game of golf is all about the story, right? Just like life. I mean, we love storytelling, you know, whether it's finishing around and, and, you know, and talk about that missed six footer made, uh, you know, 15 footer after an impossible bunker shot. We love talking about it. And we are back for another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I'm your other co-host, Matt Cermak. Sir, How are we doing, guys? So just in case you guys are new, the part train, we use golf as a platform to help you live a better life, or at least make your life a little fr- less frustrating than golf can be. Learn how to get better and achieve peak performance on and off the course from PJ Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, coaches, and people just like you. That's what this episode was all about. The Mental Game Roundtable is about so bringing people just best. like you on the show, and we talk through their experiences and break down areas that you know, you could learn from in your game, very relatable stories and different things. But before we get to um, previewing that incredible interview with our good friend, Zach Green, we need a word from our sponsor, Superspeed Golf. Mm. Would you like to add distance to every club in your bag? I mean, is that something you'd be interested in, sir? I would. I, I think you probably need it more than most, but moving Interesting. on. Interesting. Yeah. Um, for the past few years, club head speed and distance has dominated the headlines on the pro tours. Bryson DeChambeau, heard of him? He uses super speed, okay? Longest players show up time and time again at the top of the leaderboards in the biggest events, but what about your game? Distance is just as important for the amateurs, and through the use of technology and statisticians, we now know that how far you hit it, especially off the tee, has a direct correlation to a lower scoring average. I'm seeing it myself now that I'm hitting my driver better again. Having a wedge in versus the Seven iron, I mean, it's a game changer, right? Huge. Um, and since 2014, Super Speed Golf has been at the forefront of distance training by providing a simple, easy, and effective way to increase club head speed for all types of players. They have three different weighted clubs, all designed around the weight of your driver. And by following the complimentary online videos and protocols, golfers will see a substantial increase in club head speed. Each session takes about eight to 10 minutes. You do it three times a week. We've I've all done, done it. it. Yeah. Um, And it's a proven record by over 700 tour players around the world using the system and thousands of you out there. So I think the COVID time is probably the perfect time to get super speed because you can just do it in your backyard. You can do it in the range, out on the street, in your apartment, whatever. Um, Not not everybody lives in LA. So they would do it maybe indoors at their local golf dome in the Midwest. Sure. sure. You know, I mean, you know, it's great. And I think if I do it all, off season, Ev, I'm going to be hitting it just as far as you next year because I'm already, you know, beating you by 10, 12 strokes now. Well, but when we get it to 18 to 25, you know, it's going to be tough to. Tough I don't to know deal. if so, I'd go that far. I mean, I, I think so last I'm, time we played, I was about 30 <laughs> yards ahead of you with a three wood. But, you know, I, I digress. To go get your super speed, go to superspeedgolf.com and enter the code PARTRAIN, all one word, for 10% off your purchase. And guys, tag us. Let us know how it's going. But there's no better system to that's guaranteed to get you more distance yeah, than Super the game. Speed Golf. Completely. So, um, thanks to those guys over at Super Speed. Okay. Uh, we just had uh, my good buddy, Zach Green. You know him as well. Um, we grew up together. And he, guys, since listening to the podcast, and I've been talking to him regularly about his mental game, uh, he's gone from a 14 to a 9 handicap yeah. in the last three months. And went from 15 plus negative thoughts per round to three. Yep. And we 
I, I just thought, you know, there are so many relatable and good moments here. You know, everyone has experienced a top drive. Everyone has experienced hitting at OB. Everyone has experienced feeling embarrassed in front of your friends, like, and wanting to do well. And Zach talks about all of it. And I think it was a really honest, good, reflective conversation that a lot of people could benefit from. I agree, Ev. I think the Mental Game Roundtable series has really been just a ton of fun and it's really what we're about, right? Yeah. We're about bringing the, the average player on and talking through and finding ways to improve, right? And awareness, like you talked about, specifically around being aware of your negative thoughts, but that was great. I thought the pre-shot routine, you know, we talk about that a lot on here and you got to find something that works for you, but you've got to make sure it's consistent throughout the round. Yeah. You know, and this and, was the first time we've probably talked about the mental side of a pre-shot routine, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. I thought there were some really good takeaways and, you know, and you see, you don't go from a 14 to an eight or a nine without you know, changing or adjusting your mindset, right. Or finding a way to be happier out there or just understanding how to, how to approach course management. And, he, and this is the great, is actually a great example. And he talks about how he actually sh he shot around in the mid seventies. You know, he talks about with us that, I mean, and that's incredible when you're a 14 yeah. handicap last year, now you're shooting there. So some real breakthroughs for the average golfer. Um, that's just trying to conquer this game one weekend at a time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Well, we'll get you guys to the interview. These always go at least an hour, definitely stay to the end. That's where he kind of talks through his progress and, and his work on awareness and negative thought tracking and different things. Um, but if you guys don't follow us on social media, definitely go over to Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, um, and Facebook, I think actually at, uh, at the par train, give us a and review the partrain.com we post a blog after every episode and yeah you know we asked this last time guys if you're listening to this show we would really really appreciate it if you go give us a review on itunes you know, yeah right you know you know evan hits it long matt hits it short matt shoots low scores evan shoots high scores we love them both you know what i mean yeah i think both are really great yeah. write that in the review you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually go ahead and write that in review and we'll know you're listening um, all right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you guys uh, next Sunday. Zach, this is our second Mental Game Roundtable. You're one of our wow. first listeners years ago. We're excited to have you on the show. How you doing, my man? Thanks, Ev, man. Really appreciate it, Serum. Great to uh, see you again. It's been a while. Um, I know. I'm super this pumped. A, this is only fitting, right? Yes, absolutely. I think the last time I saw you was uh, – down in Springfield, maybe like 2008. So it's only been about 12 years. <laughs> We're getting old. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> crazy. But no, it's, it's great, right. to be here. great to be here, guys. Uh, I listened to the last mental uh, roundtable with uh, your friend. Uh, is it, was it um, Brendan? Was it Brandon? Brandon. Yep. Brandon, yeah. And it's actually pretty funny because we actually have some pretty interesting similarities being lefties from St. Louis with similar handicaps. So I hate to, uh, hopefully I can provide a little bit of different input from, from Brandon, but, uh, but yeah, I'm pumped to be here. Yeah. I mean, these are some of our favorites because, you know, Sermon and I talk about the mental game a lot and it's really part of the main purpose of this show, but the round tables, I think allows people to put themselves into your shoes, right? It allows people to hear really specific stories, really specific struggles and examples and successes and, and maybe take away something, you know, that's worked for you. And so first, before we dig in here, I want you to tell people about your game, 
how long you've been playing, your handicap, and your current issues, the things you've been working on. Okay. Sounds good. So, yeah, I started playing when I was five. Um, actually, so my, my uncle um, got me a set of clubs, and they were right-handed, and I realized I couldn't hit those. So then I figured <laughs> I was a lefty. Got to switch. Um, switched wow. it up. And, uh, and then I, when I, you know, kind of started playing a lot in, you know, junior tournaments back when I was like seven or eight. So I've been playing for a while. I don't have the excuse that many do that, you know, I was, uh, I started late. So practice, you know, always has been, been a big fan of the short game, had a little green in my backyard that I used to, you know, cut with scissors and weed whacker back oh. in the day to, to find scissors. Yeah, back yeah, back in you know the early could have been a, could have been a superintendent. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. I had I was a caddy at the time, and sometimes you know I I really probably shouldn't say this at Bell Reed, but sometimes we'd you know sneak a flag or sneak a couple uh, tee box uh, markers and you know design the hole in the backyard. So uh, oh, had had to make sure that you know the, the backyard hole looked uh, looked legit. But I I've didn't been, know you caddied at Bell Reeve. Yeah, when I was uh, known you for a long time, didn't know that. 13 to 15 or 13 to 17 actually great okay. track yep so home of the pga great, uh yeah i mean just yeah I, I would have loved to have uh loved to have been there during the pga time but uh no so i've been playing since yeah since since i was about five and just always loved the game um you know again played a lot of tournaments growing up probably got a little burnt out towards the end of high school and stopped playing really during college. And as, as you know, Ev, I was definitely a late bloomer. I'd say, you know, junior, senior year of high school, I was not that I'm a big guy now, but uh, junior, senior year of high school, I was very small still, you know, still probably 5'5, five, five, 120, you know, soaking wet. So uh, I did not hit, the, hit a big ball. And I grew a little bit in college. And as I started hitting the ball further, you guys knew, you know, know what happens. The ball started going left and right. And uh, yep. keeping it straight became a real challenge. So, but you were competing um, with our buddy uh, Ryan Whitehouse. Yeah, I was. So I was on. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say competing necessarily, but uh, I was, you know, riding his make, tailwinds, make, mixing it up. Yeah, right? exactly. Keep keeping the uh, you know middle half of the top eight at Parkway Central, you know, decent. I was usually yeah. around the four or five slot, and um, yeah, after high school, we we um, you know going to Mizzou, didn't play in college, and just kind of lost the passion for the game. Um, which I don't know why I'm crazy, but uh, obviously got it back. And pretty much since college, I've been you know playing. I've been a weekend golfer for the most part, but I've been playing, and I'd probably say two rounds a week or so. And anywhere in a you know, actually right now I'm probably at the best handicap I've been in a while, down to an eight seven. Um, sure. But I was up to a fourteen earlier this summer, and I have to thank the uh, you know a little shout out to Partrain for helping me get that you know. Uh, decrease there so uh, did i just hear 14 to an eight and in a few months eight seven so you know he rounds up to a nine i don't want anybody Ooh. getting any ideas okay. that I'm 14 to a nine still i can't be giving out an extra stroke i don't i don't know if i feel <laughs> confident as an eight right now. But, uh, well we should dig into that in a little bit but yeah confidence exactly okay so but, uh, eight yeah, seven yeah i think that's some decent context I mean, you know again love the game short game is definitely my strength uh, very wild off the tee you know big big slice unfortunately mm -hmm. um but you know 175 and in is kind of my strength and uh again i've just really been trying to work on the mental game with a lot of a lot of amazing help from uh some of these guests you've had recently and um yeah just kind of really excited to dig in here and hear you guys uh, give me some mental advice 
We appreciate you saying that. So let's start with, uh, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to your competitiveness. I think this is pretty common actually in a lot of Midwest um, guys and gals where you grow up and sports is really the main thread, you know, that keeps us all together. It's the only thing we can really do most of the year. You want to do well. You want to play well, right? right? And sometimes through our talks we've had in texts and um, when you visited, I mean, sometimes it can get in, you can get in your own way. I want you to talk about that. And, and maybe, you know, I think that from what I've heard from you recently, that started to shift a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I definitely agree. I'm, I'm probably overly competitive in everything in life. And, you know, there's some things I think that's a benefit, um, but there's others that are actually, you know, that absolutely are definitely a, a downfall of mine. Um, golf being one of them. So whether I'm playing in a, you know, important, and I'm, you know, I don't belong to a club, but if I'm playing in a match or, you know, a tournament that we set up with buddies, um, or I'm playing just a casual round by myself, I'm competing against myself always, you know, and this is something that we've talked about, Ev, it's, you know, I'm on the sixth hole and, and I'm, you know, even through five and I know it. And unfortunately I know it and it, it impacts my game from six through nine if I'm playing nine holes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, I've always been like that. And, and, um, it's just, it's something that I think recently I've been able to, you know, kind of with the help of listening to some, some of the guests and some of the conversations we've had, focus more on just each shot, keeping those thoughts abstract, kind of as, uh, as I've heard on some of these different, uh, you know, episodes, but really, you know, trying to get out of my own way is, is so important. And the, com- the competition part, I think, like, you want to get into this, um, this hyper-focused but relaxed mentality, which I think you know, is often talked about on the show. And mm-hmm. it's, it's something that I think it was about three weeks ago, I was playing with my dad and, and my business partner and his dad. And I was on the, we were on the back nine. And I was riding the car with my dad. And I, I looked at him, I said, I would, I don't know how much money I would pay to have this mindset I have right now about my game for the rest of my life. It was just like, <laughs> I was so confident. And you know, you guys know the feeling you're in the zone, you just you're not, you're not, you know, you know, you're gonna hit a good shot. And then you, you, you know, you chat, you part, or you, you know, look at that and, you know, it's at the same time, it's, you can have a round where you have no idea what you're going to do. You're going to, mm-hmm. you know, your wrists don't feel right. And you're, you know, you can't putt, you can't chip, yep. you, your driver's all over the place. And it's, so it's, it's, it's in between the ears for sure. For me, it's, I've definitely gotten better at it, but I find that competing is actually helpful. And I'm, I actually just picked up a book and started reading it today after a podcast I listened to last week called uh, fear is fuel and i'm really trying to kind of harness that fear whether it's you know anything in life you know public speaking um you know having that first tee shot in front of you know 15 people for me and i'm you know <laughs> that's a lot um and, and making sure i harness that as fuel because you're you know you care the reason your heart's beating is you're excited right. you care and use that to your advantage, you know, that, that plain energy, turn that into positive energy rather than negative energy. That, that's interesting, Zach. So, you know, it, it, we all know golf is about you're playing against yourself, but I don't know how you feel. I want to get your take on this and then Ev's take. I think it's too much focused on playing yourself. I think it's about managing yourself and it's about playing and I don't know, battling the obstacles of the golf course. Mm. And because when you're, Competitive guys like us, like you know what you're capable of, especially as an athlete, as a golfer, it, it, it'll just, it kills you, right? When you're playing bad or you're doing things that you just don't think you should be doing, right? That becomes such an, like an internal fight with, your, with yourself, right? 
with, come on, come on, Zach, I'm better than this. Yeah. And you just, but it really, it's like, well, you just got to manage your ups and downs and how mad and how don't mad you get. Right. Yeah. Really. It's like, what is the course giving me? Right. I got to leave it short on this. all. I'm, I got to hit this one low. And it's, it's, I think it's easy to lose sight of all of what the course is bringing you when you want so much from you. So I, it's just, so you gotta, I feel like it's more of a management as opposed to like this battle. And yep. but sometimes you don't hear that. What do you think? No, it's, it's really interesting. And I, you know, so it's funny, we listen to, it's, you know, it's not exactly what I think what you're saying, but it's, it's on the same, uh, it's very correlated to the podcast, the, the one you did recently with the top 10 guests. And I forgot which one of you two picked, uh, Eric, uh, Eric Long, um, oh, Eric, Lang, yeah, me. Eric Lang and, uh, his piece talking about when you're out on the course, just taking it in, you know, instead of being in your own head the whole round, but really just sitting yeah. there and looking at the slope and what that, you know, what the elevation looks like on the tee shot and, and the trees and, you know, the ocean, if you're lucky. And yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting is the more you can focus on, it's not the course is your opponent, but I mean, it is, you're, you're not, you know, I, um, I think it was it was long, right? Adam Long talking about hey, you know, he when he went, he was like, you know, I, Phil can't stop me. He can't, you know, he's not going to be able to stop me from what I right. want to do. And I'm going to go out there and play my game. I'm playing the course. I need to, you know, respect the course, but also try to understand what the course is giving me. Well, and, right. Yeah. And the course, and, and it's a, Adam was great. The course can stop you, right? Yeah, exactly. if, if if you're not in the moment, in the shot, seeing what it brings you, but where you have to miss it, right? that's all that can stop you. Right. 100%, yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Yep. No, it's the course. And, and, you know, and then, you know, I guess at the same time, the conditions too, I mean, you know, understanding the conditions, you know, if there's yep. wind, you know, don't let it, don't let it, you know, dictate your mental state, but at the same time you need to be obviously, you know, cognizant of, of what that is and, you know, whether you need to hit a knockdown or, you know, hit a, you know, shape the shot a little differently. So I think it's uh it's really interesting to, you know, for me that it's like, I'm, you know, I'm 32 now and, taking me all this time to kind of realize that and uh I wish I had that mindset playing you know competitively growing up and I think that you know I really look at what this you know podcast is and obviously you know there are others out there but there's so many tools that exist now for you know the for young golfers I mean you obviously you guys had on um I forgot the guy's name from NeuroPeak but um you yeah, know all these yep and uh you know whether it's Bryson or I mean people are you know these these golfers now are at a younger age or focused on the mental aspect more than ever and I think you're going to see results I mean Tiger Tiger was a freak uh, I just finished you know his book um or not his book but Armin Katane's book Tiger Woods yep. I mean that guy's yeah it's crazy but that's, that book's awesome um wild wild book but um you know just his mindset you can't I mean you can't replicate that that guy you know his yeah. his upbringing his I mean for sure it's it's insane. So let's, I mean, let's I, look more to like an Adam Long, right? Exactly. You know, yeah. You know, exactly. And, and it takes these guys years to get on the tour. It's typically what it is. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Here in his grind, I mean, what it took yeah. to get to the tour. I mean, that's that's such an inspirational story, and it it just reminds you that you know to stay over every shot. I mean, it really it's it's and I you know I, I'm so glad I was listening to that episode before coming down to this this past weekend point where I played in uh, Branson a few rounds because it helped me because there was you know I of course I had plenty of bad shots but I was able to grind it out like he was saying just you know staying with yeah. it knowing that you got to you know your next shot is what matters forget about the past and it sounds so cliche and obviously I you know I'll say it here and I'll forget about it next time I go you know hit a bad drive but um 
it's just, you got to keep reminding yourself because it just, it's, it remains to be a grind. Well, it's funny because Zach, I, I, I just picked up on a little something you said, which is in line with things we've talked about a lot in the past, which is, you know, you're only 32. So the fact that you have these tools now, it's actually not a shame that it took you 32 years. You're actually way ahead of the curve, right? A lot of people go their entire lives without understanding the power of their mind and the fact that they have a choice. And most people live in a very reactive way. And so what I pick up there is that you're, it's, and we're all like this, we're all hard on ourselves, right? And that's really, that's a, an important thing to take a step back on is that's a good thing. Right. right. In, in most ways, that drives you to be better where other people might get complacent. Mm-hmm. But it's also important for us to have the training and the discussions around taking a step back and appreciating what you are. Right. Which is you're someone that is doing the work to grow and improve. And what you've learned now is to, instead of looking at it as a, a bad thing, you didn't have it before. Think about how far you've come. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, what I heard you just say is I have 18 years to get my game in check for the uh, champion store. So, I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, that's pretty much out. what I'm saying. Yeah. Just start, well, he's going to start drinking coffee for wellness. Like, maybe, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, sir, you might want to take it easy on the coffee for wellness. We're not being paid to talk about them. So maybe well, we Bill, wait. Bill may pick it up. Not yet. Not, not yet. Right. Not yet. <laughs> Bill, uh, Phil, I'm a fellow lefty man and I'm just, you know, I'm very appreciative of your, uh, <laughs> your run right now you got going on the champion store. So if you're listening, you know, you really should, should you know, consider being a, uh, so Zach talk to me about in the cart you look at your dad and you say I would pay any amount of money to feel this way for the rest of my life how did you feel what got you to that and why did it leave you and where were you playing down in Branson and what'd you shoot yeah give us the feel here so I'll start with the the with Evan's question because that was that was a few weekends before. So I was playing, and I don't know, Summer, if you played. I know Evan, you have at uh, Tapawingo here in St. Louis. Um, nice, nice track. Um, so yeah, it was just we were on the back nine again. It was you know it was a casual round, and I'd probably be uh, remiss to say you know I had probably had a couple of beverages, maybe two or three beers. So I was in that beer groove. Few, few seltzers. Um, you know, just a couple. You know, uh, I'm not a big truly guy, sir. I, I know you kind of shout them out sometimes. I'm more claw well, guy. Bon and Viv. You know, wild. He likes the craft. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, you you were flowing. A little too sugary for me. Um. So, so no, I you know kind of just getting in that groove, Evan. I mean, really, usually what comes down to for me is if every aspect of my game is clicking for just two or three holes in a row. So I mean, I can get a birdie, and it's you know decent drive, but I hit a good you know kind of maybe push my drive, and then I hit a a good approach, but I'm 20 feet out and make the putt. It's like okay, you know great. I'm glad I got a birdie, but it didn't feel like any of the shots were like spectacular. Obviously maybe I hit a good putt. I think I can hit the groove when I have like three holes of like good tee shot, especially for me, because that's my, you know, definitely my biggest weakness in my game. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a couple flush long irons and good chips, good putts. And it's like, you know, do that for, you know, 30, 40 minutes, you know, three, four holes. And it's like, all right, I'm in a groove. And that's yeah. kind of what got me into that groove. And honestly, that stayed with me that entire round because that was about on hole 12 and I, I do want to kind of come back to that is I am a um I'm a you know notoriously a very slow starter my rounds tend to be a lot of you know I mean I'm a you know I'd say 44 46 you know 38 40 like I mean that's you know mm-hmm. sure. I'm shooting a decent round in the low 80s that's kind of what my what my uh, front back looks like 
So well, real I quick, say- I want to stop you for a second, Zach, because um, you said that you made a birdie and you would historically not be very happy with that birdie because the swings didn't feel good, right? I think this is really important. Yeah, so I yeah. want to dig in here for a second because Adam Long said this, right? The majority of the time, his swing doesn't feel good, right? And that's what he does for a living. Imagine being paid or not paid based on going out yeah, and, he's and whether you don't feel good, and right? To, to piggyback that, it's specifically when you get to the range every day before you're around, right? Because it's a new day. Right. Bones feel different. And a lot yeah. of times they don't feel good. So you kind of know, and it's, okay, well, what am I going to do with that? to still be right. good out there absolutely right? and so yeah. this is really important because th- if that's true for one of the best players in the world sure as hell is going to be true for us right. so if we're relying on you feeling good it being satisfied by your swing feeling good and every part of your game <laughs> sinking then we're setting you're setting yourself up for failure right at the end of the day you made a birdie Right. Yeah. I literally said this to my buddy yesterday I was playing with. He snap hooked his drive and it made him extra frustrated because for the first time in a while he's striping his driver. So therefore mm-hmm. he had more attachment to that. He started to identify with being a good driver of the golf ball. He hit a bad drive immediately since he's identifying with it. He says, Oh my God, I can't believe that. Like I thought it was a good driver of the ball and now I'm not. Mm-hmm. Right. Made this unbelievable punch shot out of the trees got up and down made a long putt for par the first thing he said i can't believe i hit that drive yeah and i stopped him and i said chris did you hear what you just said you just made an unbelievable up and down for par out of the trees like i'm talking low snap hook was 200 plus yards out on a par four made par and he was focused on the bad drive right and so let's talk about that for a second because you, you could be, you know, you might not be focusing on the best things per se. Yeah, you're right. I think that's so true. And I know I'm not. I mean, you know, I, I, you know what you said, I mean, I kind of couldn't really say it better myself. I think it's, it's so easy for me to get lost in the shots and, and um, in the, the previous shots. And, and again, if you're, you know, if I'm birding first off, I'm happy. Like I'm not, <laughs> anytime sure. I'm birding, I'm happy, of course. Yeah. But it's just, it's so easy for me to look back and say, okay, well, that didn't feel right. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to be able to, you know, replicate it on the next hole, you know, and if I get a birdie instead of, and I don't remember who, you know, it's happened a couple of times in the show where people have talked about, you know, getting that sometimes I think it was Kucher, right? It was like, I want to start off with a few pars hitting, you know, hit the yep, green, yeah. just kind of get it going. And then I can get it, you know, if one drops, one drops, that's great. But keep, once, once I get a birdie, it's almost instead of that, you know, take a deeper approach, it's all right. How do I hold on? Let me make sure I get a par next hole. Sure. Okay. If I had a bad shot, maybe I got to make sure I don't get a double, you know, to keep the mm-hmm. big numbers off the scorecard. And it's, it's so hard for me for some reason to just kind of say, all right, I just birdied. I'm a good golfer. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to get another birdie. And I think it, it's, it's, I'm slowly learning to just kind of focus on, you know, like the abstract mentality, focus on the next shot. Don't even worry about the score on the scorecard. Well, that's, um, yeah, that's it. Right. I mean, it's, it's hundred percent. You make the birdie, you're pumped up, but you're a little bit scared, right? So <laughs> exactly. it happens to me, it happens to all of us. So how do I get to that next T-ball to think about, all right, got to miss it left, wins into me, getting so back into the 45 seconds, right? 
of your world as opposed to, oh, I'm one under. You know I what I mean? Like, <laughs> absolutely, 100%. I saw yep. this firsthand yesterday with my other buddy. My other buddy broke 80 for the first time. He had five birdies. And guess what he did after every birdie? Well, he actually did make back-to-backs once, but uh-huh. bogeys or doubles after yep. all the others, yep. right? And that's because we start to – it's so funny. You'd think that why would a thought impact my game? But a thought then creates emotions. Emotions affects the body and therefore adds tension, and you're not swinging it the same way that you were when you were more abstract, not really thinking about the result, right? A hundred percent. It's a good – it's a good uh, place for me to kind of lead into. So Sir asked about Branson and yeah. uh, I, I texted you about this, Ev, but Sir Matt, you'll probably, you'll probably appreciate it and get a good laugh of this. So first round, so the courses we played were, um, and I, I assume, I guess for, for the listeners, Sir Mac, you know the course as well, right? Going down, you know, going to school at Missouri State down in Branson. I do, and for the listeners, before you go in, Branson right near Paynes Valley. You know, yes. where, where Tiger's new course is at, where they played the big tournament. So yeah, before I before I start on you know the selfish you know my piece, I mean what a beautiful uh, golf mecca they're building down there. It unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, just driving into Buffalo Ridge and seeing the seeing the signs, seeing Tiger and Rose, and and uh, it's just JT. It's it's so cool. But um, so yeah, we're we start off the week and we had a um, it was a charity scramble. Um, and you know casual round my dad my uncle my cousin first tee shot you know it's um you know i'm super happy to be out there and this has happened to me now i think a few times this year and it hasn't happened before first tee shot i top like straight top great top and it's it's i mean it's pretty it's it's bad like it's 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 tough to watch it's it's really hard to watch and it's even harder being between the ears um it's really hard to watch so Right, what goes go. through your mind? What goes here through we, your mind when you go. top it? Here we yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. So, so the this so, is why we don't need outlines for these episodes. These are my favorites. Yeah, go ahead. Exactly. So, so the first time it happened was at my and I, Evan, you know about it. We have an annual tournament called the Hackers. Um, this year was down in Gulf Shores. We played Kiva Dunes, which is a good course down there. And um, I was, you know, I'm I'm one of the captains, but I'm not one of the best players. So I was playing in a group with you know, a bunch of couple pluses and, you know, a couple ones and twos and everyone stripes their tee shot. I go last, I top it, top it in the shit. It's great feeling. Really, really happy. Good way to start the round. Um, so, so I, you know, it's in the head a little bit, but it's at the same time, I'm still, I'm focused on the fairway. I know what I want to do. My swing feels good. I'm picking, you know, picking a dimple on the ball. I'm swinging the club. So we go to, we're at Ledgestone and same thing, top the first tee shot. And uh, I was a scramble, you know, whatever we, I think we ended up making a good score that hole, but it wasn't really due to my, uh, my helping there. So the next round we played Buffalo Ridge on Friday and, um, that was first off, that was beautiful. One of Serum's my home course in college, right? Yeah. That's where we played every Sunday. It's unbelievable. I, Ryan told me, I I'm so jealous of that. That's, inc- yeah. that's incredible. Uh, I can't imagine playing from the tips, but uh, no, I mean, it's, it's a fair course. It's not, you know, it's, yeah, it's, you, it's you fun, get, fair. hundred yeah. percent. So, I love 14. 14. Is that the little uh, uphill to the right? I think it's 14 with the water on the right think, side. Is that, Four, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's 15. 15. Sorry, 15. It's kind of like drivable. If you yeah. want it to be, you could also hit an iron. I just yeah. love holes. Like highest, that. highest point of the course. I yeah. think that's the one I took the picture of and, and put it on yeah, my IG. Yeah, just gorgeous. Um, okay. So yeah, first hole, you know, again, 
been at the range. I mean, sometimes you go out there and, you know, first swing of the day, you know, didn't hit the range. We were at the range for 45 minutes. I'm stretching. I'm loose. I'm hitting, you know, pretty good balls. I love, at the range. I love that. That's what yeah. I do. I yeah. Love it. First shot, top. And you know, the first hole at, at, at Buffalo Ridge, you know, it's, it's, you know, you top it and it, it's going down. So, I mean, it, it probably rolled out to, you know, 170, 150, you know, it wasn't the, it, it was, I was fine. I was in a decent position and I just dialed back and, and, and was like, you know what? I just kind of thought about Adam Long and just grinding it out and hit a hybrid to 100 and got up and down for birdie and started the Ooh. round. And it was wow, is like, that fun? That's a great birdie from 100 because that green, as you know, is kind of really yeah. sloping. Yes, yes. And yeah. hard to hit. Made like a 10-footer, but, I, you know, again. So, the temperature level just went. It does. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. And, of course, you know you know what I did the next hole. I bogeyed, obviously. But, uh, tough, it's a tough hole. <laughs> that, that's anyway, the toughest hole on the course, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, that is a hard hole. Too tough. Um, so. So again, so, you know, that was Friday. We played on Saturday and, um, and Saturday we played Branson Hills and I did it again. And it wasn't even thinking about it that time. It was weird. I, sometimes I'm like, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking not to do it and it happened again. And it's just, I think it's just a lack of concentration. I mean, you're just pulling up and then mechanically you're just not staying down on the ball. You're just, you know, maybe worried about where the ball is going to go, but it's such an interesting, um, you know, lead in because Evan, you know, you just, just referencing whatever you think is ultimately there's a much better chance it's going to happen. Whether you're, you know, giving a presentation and you're nervous and you're going to, you know, be more nervous because you're thinking about it six hours in advance rather than staying present and being in a flow state throughout the entire day leading up to it, or, you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to hit a good golf shot versus don't top it. Um, my dad caddied for a caddied for a, I think it was a, women's amateur event back a few years ago here in St. Louis. And he, the first hole, he, he said, all right, you don't want to go in the, there's water right. And there's high rough left. So, you know, don't avoid those. And she said, she looked at him and said, don't tell me again, where not to hit it. Tell me where you want me to hit it. Exactly. And I love that. And so that's, you know, that's for me is it's just, it's, there's so much, you know, to be drawn there. Well, right. Because we all, we can all see, right. When we're playing, right. So we all don't know where not to go. But. Yes. You know, especially off the tee, right? I yeah. think occasionally when you got a caddy, you need to know what's long. You know, can't, you know, the second shot got to be short, right? But that doesn't involve OB or water. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can empathize with you, Zach, because I went through this myself. We actually asked Chuck Quentin when he came on the show, and um, I had never topped the ball, like ever. And I went through a phase where I would have like, two tops around and I'm like what is going on and here's what the mind does since you're identifying with it and the ego doesn't want to be dismantled it says are you not you're it's like you're not even a golfer it's like you've forgotten how to play right mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people would say they would rather hit it 50 yards OB than top it yep. because it's quote more embarrassing it looks like you don't yeah. know how to play Talk about that for a second. Like, was that the feeling of, was it, were you embarrassed? You know, were you getting down on yourself or what was the feeling after the tops? Or was it more you're getting in your head because you keep doing it? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's definitely, you know, there's, there's the embarrassing factor. I mean, you know, especially on the first tee, um, you know, that time, you know, this weekend, there wasn't, there weren't many people watching. I guess at Branson Hills, it was kind of a backup. So there's, you know, eight, two other groups behind us watching, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's, it's frustrating in that regard, but it is interesting. You say that, you know, you'd rather hit it OB and I kind of almost feel the same way. And then I'd be hitting three off the tee 
and have no chance to make a good number on the hole. Right. Whether rather than being 100 and you know 50 yards down the hill and you're you're right in the middle of the fairway, so it is it's 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 that ego speaking. It's it's um it's you know just bruising the ego. Uh, for me, I think it's again just lack of lack of focus and and just kind of going back to just positive thinking, positive mindset yeah. equals you know attitude determines outcome type mentality. And if I don't have that going going into the hole. And especially on the first hole, my round is, I'm, I'm thinking any negative thoughts, especially now that it's happened a few times. So it's, you know, there's a good chance it's going to happen again. And I'm the same way. I mean, I, I hadn't done, I haven't topped the ball since I was, you know, probably, you know, eight, nine years old and it just right. started this year. So it's clearly mental. I mean, it's not, and I'm actually hitting the ball better than I've hit it, you know, since, since probably high school. So yeah. it's, um, it's just, it's really weird how they're, they're kind of both happening at the same time, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's, like I tell I feel like I say this every round when I'm playing it's, it's just the most humbling game as you guys know it's oh, just sure. incredibly humbling it's interesting to hear you kind of talk and what I'm hearing is because you've played some good golf this summer because well you were 14 and we're at an eight right and it sounds like you've been able to not turn some of <laughs> and eight seven turn some of these maybe not so great starts to rounds yep. into some good rounds so you're really turning and that's the key what we talk about a lot of the show, how you get from that double digit to single digit. And it's, well, it's that 89 was an 84, mm -hmm. right? You know, and I didn't have it today. So I think that's really interesting. But, but what else when you get off, when you, when you've shot that 79 or that 78, or was it your short game? Is it, you know, you look at your stats, or, you know, you're more up and downs. Is it cleaner out of the bunker? Is it hitting more fairways? Talk about some of the, you know, the real nitty gritty, stats of the long game and short game that you've really seen an improvement any trends yeah. you know? i think yeah i think for me it's been um really tied to definitely you know less lost balls i mean i can i can easily have rounds especially on tight courses where i'm digging in and you know uh pretty well into a dozen you know seven eight you know balls off you know sprayed out and okay so let, me, under, so let me stop you there for a second is it the driver's more solid or have you identified a three-wood or a hybrid yep, to exactly. hit south that you've taken that you've relied yep. on when maybe okay talk about that yeah yeah so so you know buffalo ridge for example you know there's you know especially not playing from the tips there's holes where i can i can get away with putting up you know, 240 out there right for sure not crazy it, long it runs out pretty good exactly yep. hard. i mean was, you know playing this time of the year too i mean october it was hard we didn't have rain in st louis up until last night you know for, for sure. um, you know, months almost i feel like but uh but yeah it it was i was able to go to the hybrid early and once i hit you know a couple hybrid hybrids in the fairway i got the confidence going um and and then from there, my, my strong, my strong suit this summer has been my, you know, mid iron game down. Um, I hit the ball, you know, fairly far. So I, if I'm inside, you know, 180 with irons, I feel pretty good. Um, sure. and you know, again, that's mental too. You know, I see it drop 100%. from a seven to a six to a five and I start losing, you know, and I think that's every golfer, but, totally. mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so no, mid iron, you know, mid iron, mid iron down and, and short game and, and, I think the biggest improvement has been putting for me this year, just really focusing on each putt and kind of being, um, you know, just really deliberate and as it, as it relates to pace, you know, lag putting, making, you know, eliminating three putts at all costs. Um, one of the things, and I think it was in, in Rotella's, uh, you know, um, uh, golf is not a game of perfect. Right. And I think he talked about <laughs> looking at the hole while you're practice, hitting your practice stroke yep. and while, while you're hitting your practice putts, rather than looking down at your putter, Cause you can avoid, you avoid getting those. Oh, I feel like I'm kind of opening the club face or I'm, you know, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not being smooth with, you know, it's not a pendulum stroke. 
and that's really helped me on those 20 plus foot putts. You feel, like, you feel like you're freed up a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. It just, it gives me a good confidence, you know, um, to, to kind of hit those, those pace putts better. But yeah, I think that would, that would, that would probably be like the, I would say those are the main contributors to that handicap dropping. Um, you know, I, well, I, I, that's huge, right? It's focusing on speed. Uh, it's right. Important. One thing I, I, I do the same thing. I take two practice trucks before I putt, but I always look at the hole. Another thing I do is I try to envision the last five feet of the ball going into the cup the way it's yeah. right in my like mind. That. And that yeah. kind of creates that, you know, like putt to the picture, right? Tiger talks about that with his dad. Right? Yes. But you can't, that only happens if you're looking at the hole, right? And you're just, right. that's the feel of, of putting, right? Right. Sounds like that's kind of, that's the kind of stuff you're working on. Yeah, exactly. That visualization component, you know, again, and it's a perfect, you know, life and golf parallel. I mean, I think visualizing yourself succeeding, whether it's achieving goals in life or on the golf course is, it's just so important. And um, I, I think I've started to really get good at that, except for the tee box. And that's probably my biggest area of improvement. But luckily, I have been able to kind of rely on that, you know, the hybrid to kind of, you know, save me. Um, but at the same time, I know that I want to get to a point where I'm able to say, right, I want to go back and start playing the tips again, you know, yeah. I and mean, there's no reason not to. And I, you know, I got to hit the driver to do that. Well, I, I know you want to jump in here, but I got to ask something about the driver. Do you think the inconsistency of the driver is from swinging too hard and, tr and not having a consistent speed? Um, or is it just, um, you know, visually intimidation creeps in more um, because I see, and I play with a lot of guys that are good players, 9, 10, 12 handicaps, and they just pull driver on every hole, mm -hmm. and they hit it, and they swing it as hard as they can. And that's what we see in golf. And if they're off that day, they get even more frustrated. You know, you're making a big effort at it, and it's, you know, they don't really have another go-to shot, but it's, there's no, there's no smooth. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's just Bryson. It's, and it's just, and I th and I, what do you think about that? Yeah. It's hard not to be. It's hard not to swing hard. Don't get me wrong. I swing, you know, but it's it's just one speed or else. You, I, you know, I hear you're working on that swing speed. You get, you know, you're you're uh, totally, totally. I mean, he needs to. You know? Well, <laughs> I, I am, you know, like super speed is a great example. Working on a little bit of getting it there, but like, right. but it's like you just it's, but it's not driver or bus for me. You know what I mean? It's yeah, no, you're, <laughs> you know well, you're, it's. You're, when I need to, when I need to dial it up right out on par five or on yep. a long par four, I got to have it there, but it's talk through that. Yeah. So I think for me, um, I mean, yeah, I definitely swing hard. I mean, yeah, I'm not a big guy. So I, you know, to get some of the distance I get, I definitely put a lot into the ball. Um, but I also almost feel at the same time where I, where if I swing too easy on the driver, it, I, I don't, I, I more lose control, too, right? it, you know, yeah. or, a, you know, so it's, it's, again, it's, you know, it's the T word, it's tempo. It's all about finding that, you know, that right tempo. Right. It's all tempo trend. Exactly. It's, it's finding that tempo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's really interesting because when you find it, you know, you, you just, you can just feel it. It's like, well, that was so much better than what I've been doing. Why can't I keep doing that? And, um, it's it, tempo is, it's so frustrating, but for me with the driver, my miss, and I think Brandon was the same way is the, is the big slice. So it goes, you know, I'm a lefty, so it goes way left. And for me, I feel, um, it's my, you know, it's my left hand. It opens up and I just, I open the club face and I just, you know, I flip it and, and, and when I flip the ball, my tendency then at that point is to start losing content. And then it becomes between the ears and it's like, all right, well, 
if I'm going to try to improve this mid round, I'm going to start introducing, you know, double crosses and duck hooks. So I'm more likely to just say, you know, if I get an open par five, I'll hit it. Um, but I'm going to probably hit a lot of hybrids and maybe a three wood, you know, three wood or two as needed um, during the round. So well, it's, here's, here's the hard part about the driver mentally. Cause you want to talk to someone who struggled with the big miss. Uh, yeah, I'm right here. Uh, and I, I'm finally starting to, I think, see the other side of it, especially after my round yesterday. So here's the deal. When you, hold on, when you hold on, you're holding on to try to make sure the face doesn't open. Mm-hmm. And you heard this with Brennan Todd episode with his full swing yips and his big miss. What happens is, is when you hold on, it actually keeps the face open more. And now you're not ne- letting the club naturally release. And it's not even, it's an open club face and it's pushed. Yep. Right. So that's where you get this crazy block. The tough part mentally is the only way around that is to to- is almost swinging out to the direction where you miss it, right? And letting the club naturally release, which mm-hmm. is detachment. You're, you're, you're literally releasing it. You're not holding on at all. Letting go. And, and exactly. And mentally, that's tough because right. now you are almost mentally okay with the miss to happen which is kind of where you need to be. But you, there's also physical tools. Like for me personally, feeling like my hands get really light at the top, you know, or feeling like I just kind of let it go or swinging out to the right. Those types of things have helped me. Or I go after the three wood all day, yeah. right? And so I think it's, yeah, there's physical stuff to it, but I think being willing to miss it where you, quote, don't want to miss it, is it sounds counterintuitive, but it's kind of like uh, the secret uh, sauce, right? Getting rid of that because otherwise you're just trying to guide the ball, and golf is a split second fluid motion. You can't guide it, right? Exactly, hundred percent. No, that makes that makes total sense. And I think for you know going into next year, I think there is as much as I want to say it's all you know between the ears. It's uh, I got to do some mechanical work. You know, probably a couple lessons. Focus on the driver to start the year because it's you know it's it's such a it dictates my, my score, um, you know, and not just driver, but just, and, yeah. and you're not the only one, right. It dictates, of course. you know, it, of course. It's, it's I would truth, you know? Yeah. I would like to hear your gut, what you guys, what your pre-shot routine is on your tee shot, because I, I think that's something where I've noticed I have inconsistency and my dad even brought it up to me, um, you know, over the weekend here in, in Branson. And it's like, he doesn't, you know, I, I don't really take many practice swings at all. I mm-hmm. kind of just go up and, and hit it and I, I just interested to hear your guys you know if you have a pre-shot routine on the tee that you guys like not that you know you don't you don't want to ever just emulate yeah. someone else's but it's always interesting to well, hear real quick sir before you go why don't yeah. you take a practice swing with the driver i, I just kind of take a light you know maybe just like a more of a takeaway practice and then yeah. just like a light follow-through nothing crazy and then i just kind of stand behind the ball and just go almost and just you like do that with a, do you take do the same thing with other clubs or no as i get as i i notice as i get closer to the green i take more practice swings like i'll take especially yeah. on like a chip or like a wedge i'll you know i just but it, the driver is like it's a big swing so it's you know you're you're not kind of saving it a little bit almost so two, well, the two things for me i'm a proponent of the same routine all day everything right unless it's a specialty shower you might take a couple mm-hmm. same amount of practice swings same speed like for all clubs but drivers or putter and for me it's yeah. two two practice swings two practice strokes because that just creates more of the same right yeah. As, and you're not trying to treat any shot with more importance 
right? Mm-hmm. We know how your mind yeah. likes to do that throughout the day, you know, but like that's one thing you don't have, you don't even have to think about to create more of the same. Well, but, yeah. but, but you said, you know, our buddy Ryan Winehouse doesn't really, maybe takes one practice swing. I don't know what he's, he's a quick player. I've always admired his assertiveness. And I think there's something to that. But with Ryan, Ryan knows what shot he's going to hit. And like he, whether he, he wants that cut or he wants that draw. And he's, he's committed there. Zach, what, is, what shape do you want with your driver? What shot are you – is it straight? Is it a draw? Is it a cut? Because there's no problem with taking – my brother Joe on the Canadian tour, he wasn't taking any practice swings. But he yeah, knew, I don't but, take any. You know, so – but I, what are you envisioning? And I think then you've got to go from there, whether it's three practice swings or whether it's none. But what do you, what do you want to see? Yeah, and that's the problem, I think, with the drivers. With the irons, it's like, okay, I, I can, you know – and right now, like last year, I was really starting to work on a more of a draw swing. But this year, I'm just kind of gone back to more of my, my natural swing is just a you know cut, especially with, you know, irons. And um, I think just with a driver, I don't really have the confidence it's going to be a little baby cut. So it's really almost a, a straight, you know, a straight drive. I'm looking for that straight drive. So maybe kind of getting more of that. All right, I'm going to um, line up on the, I think you were talking about your dad one time, Evan. You know, it's like, you know, hey, line up on the, you know, for me, it'd be at the right side of the fairway or just yeah. on the right rough instead of, you know, right down the middle and just kind of really focus on, okay, well, if I, if I hit a straight ball, then maybe I am in the rough or maybe I'm on the right, you know, the first cut, but yeah. you know, if I hit a fade, I'm not OB, I'm in the left rough. Um, right. And well, really kind of thinking about that a little bit. Yeah. Here's the thing about the routine. I feel really strongly about this. Um, to me, uh, consistency is important to Matt's point, mm-hmm. but to the, the, the why, in my opinion, is I see too many people using the practice swing as an indicator of their success for their actual swing. So you see this happen all the time, right? You take a practice swing, you kind of chunk it, you go, oh shit, I need to swing again, right? Nice, and then, nice ceremonial divot. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and then there's this fear of, oh shit, that's going to go into my real swing. I better swing again. I need a good one before I can swing. Right. Right. That's why I eliminated the practice swing for me because Mm -hmm. there is nothing. First of all, that Mm -hmm. practice swing has no bearing on what's going to happen over the shot. A practice swing is different than standing over the ball with real consequences, just like the range is to the course. So for me, I was like, okay, well, that I don't want, I don't even want that stuff to come into my mind. I stand behind the ball, I get my alignment, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I stand up to the ball, I have one waggle, and I go. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's about knowing well, Evan, what you serves you. A really good point. I, I think here's the crutch, Zach. If you're going to do practice swings like I do, I don't hit the ground. I'm just finding a little rhythm, right? Yeah. And yep. I'm not taking a full, you know, you know, and just keep a rhythm, have no outcome or importance. Like if, you know, if you take a divot or something like that, because that's bad. So right. kind of like have that rhythmical same one or same two or same three all day. Or yeah. You know, you just say, you know what, like I've said it, and like you've kind of experimented with it, sounds like I don't need it, you know? Yeah, yeah no, those, those are both, yeah, those are both, uh, I mean, great points. Again, it's interesting, very different, you know, approaches, and, you know, yeah. they work for each of you, and you got to be individualistic in, in this sport especially. So, um, I'll, you know, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to figure out what works best and kind of keep playing around, but I think when I hear you both say that, and I actually, my uncle that I played this weekend is a guy that does three practice swings, and if he has that second one, that's, that's good. He'll go with that one. If that third one's bad, he's going to go four. And, right. uh, you know, he, yeah. and he talks about, we talked, we gave him, you know, we laughed yeah. about it. 
after the round on, on Friday. And he's, you know, cracked, he cracking up just like agreeing and admitting to it. But I think it's, again, it's, it's that, it's that parallel between golf and life. It's like, whatever you did last, you remember, and it's in your head, you feel like it's going to happen again. And uh, it's, it's, it's just avoiding that, that yeah. fear and just kind of really just staying in that present moment. So real quick, before we get into, cause I want to talk about the work you've been doing. Um, cause I, it sounds like it's really helped you. Um, and so I want to dig into the work you've been doing of counting your negative thoughts every hole. But before yes. we do, um, I think the one quick takeaway that I've gotten so far is the, a lot of times you can use your emotions as your guide, right. And use it as a compass of where you're at mentally. So if you think about the stuff you've said already, which is the feeling after a top, your next swing after the top or playing with friends on the first tee. If you feel the feeling, that is pretty heavy hanging on, trying to, trying to not let something happen you don't want to. That's mm -hmm. a really weird way to say it, but you get what I'm saying. Versus, I think a really good mantra for you, in my opinion, would be, it's okay. Right? Because if you think about it, you know you're going to make mistakes. You know you might even top one. You might hit one way left, but that's okay. Right? And I think a lot of us in this game and in life are constantly holding on to try and control things. And at the end of the day, Eric Lang said it, it's more fun to make pars out of the trees, you know, yeah. than out of the middle of the fairway. It's a hell of a story. Anyways, right? And so, I'll pause there and see if you have any thoughts. And then I want to dig into, you know, the work you've been doing. Well, my first, my first thought you said at the very end is the word story. And uh, that is me is something that I actually, you know, I just jotted down a couple of things I wanted to bring up when we talked today. And I mean, the, you know, golf, the game of golf is all about the story, right? Just like life. I mean, we love storytelling, you know, whether it's finishing around and for some reason we love to go and, and, you know, and talk about that missed six footer instead of that, you know, made, uh, you know, 15 footer after an impossible bunker shot. We love talking about that. And right. Yeah. It's, um, it's so funny how, how, the, how we operate like that. And it should, that's, that's our mental state, you know, and I think if we can realize that we have the, you know, the game within us and obviously everyone's at a different level, but you have the good shots within you, the quicker you can eliminate that bad and, and be able to forget about it and understand that it's, it's just one part of the story. It's just one page of one chapter in a large book that, you know, you can kind of flip that page and you're on a new, you're, you're on to the next page. And soon enough, you're going to be on to a new chapter and you're going to miss that chapter you read, you know, uh, two weeks ago. And it, that's life. So I think kind of understanding that and just reminding ourselves of that is as hard as it is when you're in that moment is, is so, so integral to, to becoming a better player. And, and I can, I can see it already starting to happen for myself, but, you know, at the same time, I know that there's still, there's a lot of work to do there. Um, it's just, it's a constant sure. grind. I think we all get caught up in our stories and we take things that start from a thought to a feeling and turn it into a story and then identify with it. I'm sure I've yeah. said this on the show one time, my coach when I was a kid always said to us, pressure, this, this pressure is just a story you tell yourself, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> it's true, right? You just make up this, uh, this moment <laughs> idea in your mind to then what brings tension to you. You know, yeah. when I've got to hit that shot to win the match or to beat my buddy, you just yep. you, you just created some fictional nonsense in your head. Hundred percent. Well, it's the yeah, it's the it's the you know, it's the fight or flight mentality. The you know, our 
our um, ancestors. And, you know, it's like they had, they were worried about, you know, surviving in the woods and we're, you know, worried about, you know, somebody's, um, you know, what somebody's going to think about us on a beautiful golf course that we were able to play. And, you know, it's like, yeah, what are our, you know, what are our real issues here? Just um, suck, it, suck it up, have fun and close yeah, your eyes exactly. and swing. <laughs> Isn't it kind of crazy that our bodies are, I was talking to my girlfriend about this yesterday on a walk. Our, our, and it's kind of deep for this podcast, but whatever. Um, yeah. like go deep. Let, let's uh, see how deep this gets. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy how our bodies are designed to heal and our minds are not. Mm-hmm. Our minds are designed to do the opposite. Our minds are designed to see yep. danger and always, protect always us, to race, always right, to always right to see danger and protect us. So it's actually our minds are not designed to serve us in the sense of, you know, the way that are really you need to succeed. It takes training, it takes yep. work, right? And it's it's funny you said that, Matt, about the pressure because I've literally played in the member guest with Ryan. And our first match last oh, year, uh, we played these two older guys, and they said something to me on the first tee before we teed off. They're like, oh, yeah, you guys can go first. Put us out of our misery. <laughs> Haven't even hit a ball yet. And I said to myself, well, I've already won this match. This guy <laughs> is already feeling the pressure, and I don't care if I hit a bad shot because I've done the work to know how to come back, right, and not turn it into a spiral story. So – I think that's actually a really good thing for you to keep in mind, Zach, is, you know, like a lot of people don't do this work. And so that could be a really great rooting thought for you is you've, you've done the training and yeah, we're all going to get better, but let's, let's actually, let's talk about the training. We've talked about, I've talked about it many times on the show. It's something I suggested to you. Um, you just start with awareness, right? Can't change something until you're aware of it. I just did it with screen time on my phone after watching The Social Dilemma, right? Mm-hmm. I had crazy long screen time. I cut it down to a third. So talk about uh, how many negative thoughts you were at per hole or per round. And really? then talk about your progression because apparently it's really helped you. No, it has. Um, and I feel bad you had to, you know, provoke this thought I was I meant to bring it up I mean this was one of my favorite tips I got all year I mean so (laughs) yeah the good uh, stuff usually comes at the end anyways yeah that's right yeah people have to hang on and listen to the end um so I think it was probably you know three months ago similar timing to when things started changing with my game and Evan and I you know whether it's Google chat or you know just texting he'll he'll you know tell him about my round probably more than he wants to know and he'll give me some thoughts like everybody and um and yeah one of them was you know keep a tally under your score of how many negative thoughts you have per hole and add it up at the end of the round and don't judge yourself on those thoughts, but just, you know, just count at the end and next round do better and next round do better and just, you know, progress. And I'll be completely honest. Um, you know, I've had, I had rounds, you know, where I scored well and had, you know, maybe five or six negative thoughts. And then a week later had rounds where I gave up counting because it would have, it would, you know, I would have been able to, I, you know, too many to count, but in general, as the summer's gone along, I've really focused and anytime I've had, you know, you know, some rounds have been, it's been more consistent under 10, you know, 10, 10 negative thoughts, you know, maybe every other hole, but they're quick. And I think it's how quick can you bounce back from those negative thoughts? Cause you're people are, you know, our personalities come out in golf, just like they do in life. And for me, I'm like you were saying, I'm competitive. I have a fire in me and I'm going to get angry, but I have to be quick to release that. 
And if I can, you know, understand, okay, well, I got upset, you know, six times instead of 16 times like I did last round when I shot a similar score, then I'm making improvements. And um, it's, yeah, it's definitely been, it's been a great tool for me to use. I have to remind myself to do it. It still isn't like, it doesn't occur organically at this point still. Mm -hmm. But when I, when, you know, most of the rounds, I'm still remembering to do it. And when I do, it's, uh, it's, it's really beneficial. So yeah, it's been, that's been, uh, that's been huge. So when I would play, you know, I would, after the round, I would look at how many times I didn't commit to a shot. So that was always important for me. Like, so I'd find probably like five, six, sometimes 10 shots or putts where I did feel like I wasn't committed. I didn't, I just didn't trust what I was going to do. And a lot of times those turn out to be the bad shots. So, you know, it's being aware of what's, maybe holding you back i've never been one to get um super negative but i've been one to get super not or less assertive out there you know and that was always helpful for me yeah no that's awesome so what happened zach those times because i remember we were talking and you were like yeah i need to be better i I didn't really do it this time right I, i needed to do it this and i kept pushing you right it's just a tally we're not asking a lot, right? It's just a tally. What yeah. was holding you back? Let's talk about that for a second. I think it's, uh, you know, again, I feel like I've said this 15 times now. It's the, it's the accountability thing. And again, it relates to life. I mean, if you have somebody holding you accountable that, you know, cares that, you know, so you, you know, you wanted, you wanted to make sure I was making improvements, then I was more aching to do it. And it's like, okay, I need to do this because Evan's going to ask me. And if I fail to do it, for sure, he's going to, you know, he's going to give me trouble for it. And, uh, and it's as simple as that. It's like, you know, and I know it ultimately he's looking out for my best interest in my golf game. So I know it's going to help me. And I, in turn, it, you know, it has. It's it's important. It's important to lean on each other. Guys you play with guys that care about this game, right? It's just, and okay, to so talk talk about it like we're doing that, like we're doing today. Yeah, I mean, I know we're close to time. We've been talking almost an hour, but let's finish about. You just shot a seventy six, right? Um, yeah, I, I had to. I was going to bring it up at the end. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for initiating that. Um, I'm pretty pumped. I you know have you know I'm I'm more around more. Thanks, thanks, man. Uh, more of an eighties guy these days, but uh, it's starting to you know four or I five. Say that. So I've had about four or five sub eighty this summer, so I'm getting there. Um, but yeah, no, so Buffalo Ridge, um, started out as, you know, shot again, I told you to top the first tee shot and then just kind of got what a comeback. Yeah. What a comeback. Big after the top. Um, so I got I shot 40 on the front and okay. we actually had through a quick, I'll be quick with the story, but on the eighth hole, I believe yeah. it was the eighth hole. Um, we were up pretty big. We were just doing a match play, me and my dad against my uncle and, and my cousin. And there was a ball that was very close to the uh to the hazard but we we had a good lead on them and i said you know i told my uncle take a free drop he was gonna be standing on the path yeah i said yeah. put it on the you know put it on the other on side the of right the path. Yeah. yeah on the right exactly kind of in the rocks and um he so he took a free drop and he had you know he ended up getting had a stroke that hole and my dad was lying two by the green so he thought we were going to win the hole and my dad kind of sorry dad for saying this but he kind of chilly dipped one in the bunker and ended up you know getting a i think a bogey instead of a birdie or par sure and after the hole, or as my uncle was putting, he said, what are you putting for? And he said, five. My dad was like, five? You, you took a drop at it. I said, no, I gave him a free drop. He was, you know, his feet. And so yeah. my dad got, you know, he got a little upset, and it was a whole thing. And, oh, and I, 
and I'd spent on the ninth, and it was it was fine. It was all white. Yeah. And yeah. on the ninth hole, I was like, all right, well, and this is the competitiveness in me coming. I said, all right, well, I'm I'm get I'm turning it on from here. And I was like, I'm not I'm playing against all you guys. I was just you know I, yeah. my competitive fire came out, and uh, I was yeah, I shot even the rest of the way. I shot. 36 on the back. Um, that is some good golf. But on, yeah, on 18. On that back nine. I appreciate it, man. It was, a lot of it was, it, you know, the last three holes were basically in the dark. It was, you know, so, which I think was helpful because I couldn't think too <laughs> much. Um, you know, on 18, we're like 110 out and we ready, we won the match. So we were both fired up and we both, we kind of just picked a spot to hit it to. I drove up to figure out where the pin was because you couldn't see anything. It was like 40, sure. you know, 25 minutes past sunset. And we pull up and we're both like three feet from the hole for birdie. We're just right next to each other. We both be <laughs> on 18. And I, I told him, I said, if I had any idea that I was one over going into 18, there's no chance I was birdie in that hole. So it's a good thing I didn't look at the scorecard. And uh, it's just, it's again, it just shows you the, that, that mental part of golf. But we were both, we were thrilled and it was a great end of the trip. But, right. You're in the dark. You can't really see. Pick a spot and just rip it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. There's no and, reason you can't have that same mentality in the, in the light. Exactly. 100%. The other Absolutely. thing that I just thought of that's kind of interesting is it's funny how the topped tee shot, just to harp on it for one more second, is the same stroke as a missed putt right mm -hmm. you had 76 shots it's just like a two putt versus a one putt on the grand scheme of things yet it's something that we've talked about a lot right yeah. and so that's something to remember too of oh it's just another shot but yep um i want to know because you were do you remember your count your negative thought count on the 76 yeah it was like three or four i mean i, I basically stopped wow. playing after like the sixth hole because i just didn't have any more negative thoughts and what were you think what was your average before the last few months i would say um it probably started in the you know mid-teens and steadily dropped to you know sub 10 most rounds now even if i'm not playing well that's and for the listeners out there buffalo ridge is a golf course with a lot of trouble off the tee and can create a lot of fear and to shoot 76, you know, is damn good golf. Uh, yeah. Because negative thoughts typically can come when you have to, when you look at a lot, you look at these big golf courses with trouble and gourd, hit it into the gorge or hit it off the cliff. And to, for you to really just kind of find, you know, that medium, right? That's, yeah, it's, incre it. it's incredible. Just from playing it, playing it for all these years. It's yeah. unbelievable. I think Appreciate that's a really nice way to finish because, you know, a lot of people we talk to or that might listen to this might think, well, what the hell does that have anything to do with anything, right? You're just telling me to be blindly positive, but they lose sight of the momentum that it can create in both directions, right? And so, Zach, you going from a 15 negative thought per round is the feeling we talked about before, which is, oh, I can't catch any breaks, I used to be such a better golfer. I was so embarrassing. Think about your ability to swing fluid, fluidly with that type of feeling and energy versus, well, it's just another shot, right? Mm -hmm. I can go make yep. par from here, right? Do you yep. see that? Do you feel the difference? It's an entirely different way to play in a way that you have 100% control in. It's really the only thing you can control. And so... I think that's such an amazing story that I bet Good you point. will inspire a lot of people because you just went from 15 to three and shot. Nothing really changed with your game other yeah. than that. 
and I'll, I'll say this too, to, you know, kind of give you more credit here um, about the mental side is I had one lesson maybe in mid July as I was kind of struggling and I really, you know, was a nice enough guy, but just didn't really like the lesson went out and played afterwards and was like, well, I'm not taking anything. And he said into, sure. into consideration moving forward, just one of those lessons where I just didn't like it. Yeah. And I really, since then, I mean, it hasn't been much range time, you know, it's been a lot of just, you know, mental listen, a lot of the podcasts, but just yeah. a lot of work. And I think it's really, you know, it's not going to get me to a, a scratch golfer. I know there's a lot of work that I'd have to do to make that move, but I mean, that mental component of the game without a doubt is, is what holds a lot of people back. And I didn't even realize that I hadn't even, you know, considered it up until, you know, the last year or two. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a fun year, but you know, again, I know the game, it'll be, it'll continue to humble me. Um, and yeah, it's just been, it's been a fun year though. Great, well, great time. Well, Zach, it's pretty cool to listen to you talk about, you know, you playing in these last couple of years and you're the great story of that double digit handicap into the single digits, but now we got to keep you there, right? Yeah. Now we got to get to a six, right? And yeah. as we kind of approach the off season, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Pretty cool. No, I appreciate it. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Zach. This was awesome. I love these conversations. So uh, I'm going to keep holding you accountable. I want to see that three go down to one. All right. You know, or Deal. zero. And uh, yeah, any way you hit it, it's okay, right? We're playing a game and it's natural that it's frustrating because we want to do well. But when you start to realize that the wanting to do well so badly is actually the one thing preventing us from doing well. It's funny. Um, but yeah. once you realize that a lot can change. And so Zach's a perfect example of that. So, um, so yeah, thanks so much for coming on and see you, uh, Zach. you too. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be texting and chatting as always. Yeah. Great time guys. Much appreciated. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's kind of a, uh, you know, following some of these guests you've had, it's, it's, it's again, just like golf, very humbling. So I uh, appreciate it. Had a great time. All right, take care. See you. Right. See you guys.